chapter. Last week, we started a series simply called Breakthrough because we're believing and praying and pursuing God for breakthrough. Now, as I've told you in times past, and I told you last week, and I'll tell you over and over, in order to get through, in order to have a breakthrough, in order to get through, something has to break. So when things start breaking, don't be alarmed. You're just getting through. Sometimes some old concepts about who we think God truly is, those, those things have to be broke down. Sometimes the things that we find in areas of our comfort, sometimes our comfort, oh, Lord forbid, those things have to be torn down a little bit. And so when the challenges come, don't get disheartened. Just know that you're getting through, that you're getting through, that your prayers are being heard. But if we're going to get out of those prison houses of fear, compromise, condemnation, and all those things, there's going to have to be a disruption in the foundation in order to break those things loose. But as we look here, we're looking at David. And we see that, and we're drawing our text from 2 Samuel, the 5th chapter. And as we go there, let's go to the Lord. And I just need his help, as always. Father, I love you and I thank you. Lord, for the privilege to be a part of your kingdom. I thank you, Lord, today that, Lord, this doesn't rise and fall, Lord God, upon us. Lord, but we see you as the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, I'm asking today that you would just, Lord, speak, Lord, to our hearts. Lord, as willing vessels to receive the treasure, Lord God. And Lord, we love you and we thank you. And Lord, we bring, Lord God, to naught every divisive attack of the enemy, every scheme that is in play. In Jesus' name, we command and demand that those things be broken. And Lord, let the glory of God infiltrate this house, our heart, to be carried into this community in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read our text, and then we'll go from there. 2 Samuel, the 5th chapter, we're going to start reading along about the 17th verse. Here it says, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed, anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it, and he went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal-perazim. David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of the place Baal-perazim. And they left there their images, and David and his men carried them away. And the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord and said, you shall not go up. Circle around behind them. Come up upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of the marching of the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. 
For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him, and he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Now, as we look to the word of the Lord, and I encourage you, you were not here last week, maybe some of you were still traveling for family or you were not able to be here. Let me encourage you to get a hold of that message. Not because I preached it, but because it complements what we are saying and what we are doing. Because last week, we started at the end of the chapter and we started working our way back. And what we found out is that uh, you will discover as you listen to that message or you were here, you find out that the Philistines gathered in the valley a Rephium. Rephium was the origin of all giants. The origin of all giants came from Rephium. And that valley of Rephium, that low place where the enemy loves to attack, where the enemy loves to find you, in that low mental, emotional, physical place that you're at, that's where the enemy likes to traffic. That's where he wants to come in and he wants to attack you in your low places. But your weakness is not your enemy. Your weakness, folks, is your strength. Because when I'm weak in myself, then I'm strong in God. Hear me, when you're weak in yourself, the word of the Lord tells us we are strong in God. But what we find out is that the Lord told David, don't do the affrontal assault. I want you to go around behind. In other words, I want you to catch the enemy where he's come in. Go around behind, circle around behind him. We don't know if it was under the cover of darkness, middle of the day, early hours of the morning. We don't know exactly because the text doesn't tell us. But what we find out is he came around the, the, the place in where David, where the Philistines had come in, David circled around behind them. And what we find out is the Valley of Rephaim is also connected to the Valley of Elah. The Valley of Elah is where David defeated Goliath, the giant, who was of the son of, sons of Anakim. And the sons of Anakim were a direct descendant of the sons of Rephaim. So we see that, and we see how that God had destroyed. Now, last week we looked at, though we didn't state it, we looked at David as a type of the church. We saw David as a type of the church, and we're going to continue that analogy today. But before we do that, I want you to take just a moment, and I want to, I want to look at David as a type of Christ. David as a type of Christ. Notice there, when David was anointed king. Now, there are three persons in the word of God that were anointed. That anointing was an, an oil that means anoint, means to rub on. But there are three persons, three figures that were anointed in, in the covenant of scriptures. The kings, the priests, and the prophets. Rarely were those or ever do we see any one person being a king, a priest, and a prophet until the king, the priest, and the prophet, Jesus, comes. Christ, the anointed one, the anointed Christ Jesus, the anointed Savior. So just for a moment, let's look at David as the anointed king. And it's important that we look at this in this aspect. I want you to notice there. That David is made king over Israel and now all the, the, the enemy has come in to attack David as king. And David goes to the stronghold. And as he is there in the stronghold, he comes out and he defeats the enemy. 
And he calls the name of the place Baal Perizim, which means master of breakthroughs. Not breakthrough, but master of breakthroughs. So the king David defeated the enemy, and he called the name of the place Master of Breakthroughs. And he said there, notice there in the text, notice there, he said, it's like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of the place Belperazim, like a breakthrough of water. And we find out as we see this, as waters, it's as the floods or the rivers of water, which speaks of the banks that overflow the land and overturn everything that stands in its path. So I want you to get a hold of this imagery that David is giving us as a type of Christ. As they were there in the valley of giants, in the valley of Rephaim, he said it was like there was a barrier up against the house. It was like a, it's like a dam that was there, a fortification of the enemy, a fortification of the enemy that, that held back as, he, as the enemy came and was a stronghold against Israel, against the people of God. But God brought forth a breakthrough. It was like the swelling of water, so much and so strong that that barrier could no longer contain what was coming at it. It was as if the dam had broken because the force against that dam was stronger than that dam. The master of breakthroughs. Why is there Hoover Dam at different places that try to store up or try to hold back those, those, those rivers? You can get a, a dam in your mind. And the only thing that can violate, destroy, or stop that dam is there has to be something greater and a greater force on the other side. Now, why do we look at David as a type of Christ? Because our anointed king, 2,000 years ago, came against the barrier and the dam of sin and self-nature and Satan himself. And there was a dam that was put up against you and I, a barrier that we couldn't get across or pass or get to in order to get to God. And the only way that that veil of the temple could be torn, it had to be torn not from bottom up, as the word of the Lord tells us, but from top down. God was the only one who has the authority to take the veil that separated humanity from the holies of holies. Only the Father, through the sacrifice of the Son, has the right of the ability through his paid price to tear that wall and petition and that barrier of the flesh in two so that we can go through. What I'm saying to you today is this. The blessings that are for you are greater than the barriers against you. How is that possible? It's only possible 
by the anointed king, Christ Jesus, who has all authority, all might, and all power, who lived in the likeness of sinful flesh and became sin for every person. But let me tell you, he not only paid the sin price, he also released to you and I a new nature. And he took away our sins through his sacrifice, stamped us, paid in full. That word, it is finished, when Jesus spoke, it is finished upon the cross. The literal translation of that is this. It's as if you were go to a marketplace and you have, a, how many has ever paid off a car? Woo, yeah. Pray this year, get that car paid for. How many's ever paid off a house? Not yet, but but I, I paid off vehicles before, and I wait to get that receipt in the mail, and it's stamped, paid in full. There is nothing else held against that lien. You don't owe anything else. And when Jesus Christ said, "It is finished," what did He say? Your sin debt is paid in full. But we have this challenge. And this challenge is this nature of ours. That even if we remove Satan and all of his hordes of demonic influence in the world, we still have a lower nature we have to contend with. But when we accept his payment in full, we also accept his lordship in full. And now he imputes righteousness on us by changing our nature. Oh, there was a barrier set against us. There's barriers that are set against you right now, even as we speak. But don't be alarmed. Understand this. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have more for us than we have against us. So when we start to pray, Lord God, give me a breakthrough. What I'm asking for, Almighty God, is that you will come into this place as a rushing mighty wind, as there may be a, a, a very flood of your goodness and your mercy swell up so much against all that the enemy would put against us to break those barriers so that we can move forward in the things of God. Could you imagine for a moment the biggest dam that comes to mind right now is the Hoover Dam, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But if you could imagine that the enemy has fortified such, and the sin nature is fortified such, that it holds back all of the blessings of that water. Now you civil engineers and engineers, don't just stay with me a minute and don't get so locked up on the power that it produces and all those things. Think of the analogy of heaven and hell and heaven and earth. That if you could imagine for a moment, there was a blessing that is on the other side, but you can't reach it. Why? Because it's dammed up. Oh, there's a stronghold of the enemy, and he's come against you, but you, you can't reach the blessing of God because there's a barrier between you and the blessing. What's going to change that? Oh, let me tell you, the only one that can, his name is Jesus. 
Because when God the Father, the good God of heaven, who by nature in his goodness gave his most perfect gift in his son, Jesus Christ, now all that the enemy had imposed against me, whether it be physical, financial, emotional, relational, whether it be sin, sorrow, sickness, or regret, all those giants sitting in my valley trying to oppose the very blessings of God, all of a sudden there was a swelling taking place on heaven's side because a sacrifice was made. And when that sacrifice was made, now that dam could not hold back, couldn't hold the blessing of God. I really believe our victory is going to come when the Spirit Himself reveals to you the awesomeness of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Where the awesomeness of the cross of Calvary becomes, as the song we were singing, my one desire. My one desire is God and God alone. Oh, folks, I believe this is going to be a year of breakthrough and a year of transformation. I believe, folks, as we move into the things of God, as we step over to the things of God. Now, what we found out last week is that David was told to wait until he heard the marching. I like the imagery of that, the marching. What it was is, is the wind. There was a gust of wind, and it sounded like it wasn't a breeze, but it was in the top of the mulberry trees and the leaves. When that gust of wind blew, it sounded like armies marching. But what we know is this. The wind is also the breath, which is also the spirit. And the Lord told David, as the church... Go around and follow the wind. And when you feel the breath of the wind of God begin to blow in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you know it's time to attack. If you're still waiting on the wind, you don't need to wait any longer because there was 50 days after Jesus Christ arose from the dead and the veil was torn from top to bottom, there was the introduction of the Holy Spirit himself. And he, there came forth a rushing mighty wind. And the Spirit of the Lord filled the church that day. We found out last week how that he drove by the wind, by the Spirit of God, he drove the enemy to those two little cities that we seem to be so obscure. But what we find out in discovery is that those two cities, Geba and Gezer, were actually the border cities between Israel and Judah and Benjamin and the Philistines. So by the Spirit of God, we are able not only to have a breakthrough by the anointing of the king. Is anybody following me today? But now we can drive the enemy out of our place of promise. Now let me say to you today, I don't know why I'm getting off on this, but I want to get off on this right now. My sister, my little sister was mine and Andrew's first convert. 
She came to the Lord, and she came out of a lifestyle of sin, just like all of us come out of a lifestyle of sin. But she was living in a house that was filled with a lot of drug activity. In fact, it was one of their family members. They moved into the house as the family members moved out. You pull up the floorboard of the house, and there were syringes piled up because of all the drug activity that took place in there. And she called me one night, and she said, Mike, something strange is going on in this house. Something weird is happening. You know what the first impulse of a big brother was to do? Get up and go over there and help take care of the situation. But I was halted by the Holy Spirit and said, no, she's a child of God. Tell her to walk in her authority. Tell her to walk in her authority. Don't go do this for her. She's not going to grow. You, right now, just tell her to begin to anoint the house and pray in the authority given to her by the blood of the Lamb and the word of her testimony, and that enemy will leave. I assure you today, she did that, and she cleansed that house. She said, she said no more, no more. And she walked in her authority, and I'm glad to tell you today, she still serves God, and she still loves the Lord, and she's still going after God, but she had to learn to walk in her authority. My prayer to you is this, that the blessing and the anointing and the power of God would become stronger and bigger than our Hollywood portrayal of the devil and all of our superstitions and all of our nonsense that we bring in to elevate the enemy and diminish the power of God. Now, we looked at David as a type of Christ. I want us to go back now and revisit and continue forward as David is the type of the church. And I assure you, if any one of these points that you'll begin to apply, especially the first one, if you'll apply this, you will not only have a breakthrough now, but you're going to have a breakthrough that will carry you forward, not just into your new year, but the rest of your life. It's nothing that you probably haven't heard already. But let me say to you, the very application of it will have a revolutionary effect upon your life, upon your family, upon this church, upon this community, and upon this generation. Oh, preacher, you're packing a lot in that one statement. But I assure you, it's the truth. How do I know it's the truth? Because I heard from the truth teller, it's true. <laughs> and when he wrote it, he put it down in writing because he wasn't afraid to be quoted. He didn't put something in writing that he was afraid that he was going to have to take back. It's not something he recanted of. He put it there because he knew full well it was not only truth, it was life, and it was life-giving. Mm. Are you intrigued? I'm glad. I'm glad. I want you to see something here. David was attacked by the enemy. What's your first response when you get attacked? Jump in their face. No, that's not me, preacher. That's not right. I know it's not right, but it's still nature. You get attacked, you attack back. But notice what David does. There's the enemy, and he's camped out inside his house. David is brand new king over the entirety of the 12 tribes of Israel. He knows, and you can read that in the verse 12, he understands how he got there. 
that he wasn't placed in position by man, but God's sovereignty brought him to that place. And he understood the reason why he was anointed king is in order to follow God's commands, in order that the Israel may be blessed. So what we see here is David, he doesn't attack. He doesn't consult his counselors. He doesn't go to his cabinet members. He doesn't rally his staff around him and say, guys, come here and tell me. He didn't go get his board and say, board, what do you, what do you guys think about this? And there is safety and multitude of counsel, and we're not God. We understand that. What does David do? His first impulse, his first response, the very first person he wanted to talk to about this situation was God. He inquired of the Lord. You're saying, preacher, we need to pray? Absolutely, but it's more than that. You're saying we need to fast? Yes, but it's more than that. Are you saying, are you saying preacher, that, that we, we should forsake counsel? That's exactly what I'm not saying. What I'm saying to you today is this. What would your life look like? What would your family look like? What would this community look like? What would this church look like? If you and the person that you are in the very most core of your being, everything that radiates from the inside out, what if you sought the kingdom of God first and his righteousness? It's not just the answer and the cure to anxiety. There are those of you that walked in this house today and you, you are so Brought down by the worries and the cares of this life. You're full of angst and anxiety. You have mistaken the voice of God for the voice of fear. And you're trying to, re you're trying to retract. You're trying to shrink back. You're trying to get things off of you. And I found out where people's priorities lie. Priorities can be defined as this. Andrew's definition of priorities is this. It's the first thing that you do. And that's a good definition of priority. It becomes a top of the list. It is priority. It's the worship of God priority. It's the first thing that you do. But I've also looked at the flip side of priority, and it's this. It's the last thing I give up. Hear me. Do you want change or do you want to stay the same? Do we want transformation or do we want to stay the same? Do you really truly, with your words, do you want to serve God? Do you want to get down in your heart and begin to believe him for the, for the lost and the dying and the perishing? Do you want God to fill your heart with passion and compassion for those that are around you? Let me say to you today, God is the first choice I make, and he's the last one that'll be, that I'll give up. He's not important, more important than my finances. He's not important, more important than any other thing. He is the most important. He's more important than my livelihood. He's more important than my job. He's more important than my family. He's more important. If you've got an ox that keeps falling in the ditch, slay that ox and eat it. Get on with your, with your life. Amen? If there's always distractions that are working in your life, get rid of the distractions. Don't get rid of God. Yeah. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. David inquired of the Lord.
He inquired of the Lord when the enemy attacked him the first time, and he inquired of the Lord when the enemy attacked him the second time. It's interesting, isn't it? Philistines come and they attack. Lord, do you want me to go after them? Yes, go after them. Come at it a second time. Lord, do you want me to go after them? No. I want you to go around behind. See, maybe the Lord has a different idea of how you're going to get victory and breakthrough than you do. You want to be like Naaman the leper? He'd go dip himself in a river. I want to go to Damascus. I want to go to any place but the place God tells me to go. I want out of this situation. Well, you can stay the same. Or maybe God has you in the Jordan, the lowest descending river in the world. He has you in that low place because he wants you to dip. The times he tells you to dip so that when you come up on the seventh time, all of the sin nature comes off of you and you're made pure, clean. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Can't there be a kingdom without a king? So what are we seeking for? We're seeking for the king. Now, last week I shared with you, and I won't take time to go there today, but in 2 Timothy, the second chapter, first seven verses, I encourage you to read that. Paul has written a letter to Timothy. And in that letter, he told him to endure hardship as a good soldier, as an athlete, and as a farmer. We kind of unpacked that a little bit last week. If we're going to have breakthrough, we see those three persons there that Paul mentions, and they seem somewhat unrelated. But how many know that this life that we live, it's not just, there's, there's, there's elements to it. And as we started last week, we began to talk about the soldier. When it comes to breakthrough, there's going to be combat. Is there not? You're going to have combat. You're going to have to, as long as we're in this life, there's going to be a, there's going to be a dynamic of combat. I've got to, if I'm not warring against the enemy, I'm certainly warring against myself. Because the older I get, the more comfort I enjoy. The more I like the things the way I like the things. <laughs> It's hard to believe. I, I just got used to being 50, and now, Thurman, I'm going to be 51. Good night. It just keeps going. <laughs> but, Dale, the alternative is not good, is it? <laughs> if I want to stay in this life. But we see here that the older we get, the less we want to do those things that we maybe should be doing. I, I, don't, want, I don't want that change. I don't want to do those things. Andrea asked me to do a seven-minute workout. My, I made it six minutes. <laughs> and my body has rebelled against me and said, try this again, sucker. We're going to show you what it means to be sore. <laughs> so I'm walking a little stiff today. It's for a reason, okay? But what we see here is if I'm going to have victory, and more importantly, if we're going to lead into victory, we're going to lead into breakthrough. We see that there's a, there's a soldier. There's going to be combat. There's an athlete. There's going to be conditioning. And what we also see is there's a farmer. So there's going to be cultivation. It's not just a one and done that God is looking for. It is a victorious life through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Jesus has won the war. Now we need to relinquish the battle into his hands. But now we've got to have conditioning. Now, as you look at this, what we discover is that we look first to seek first the kingdom of God. So what we're asking for is not only the king, but also his governance over my life. His rule over my life. He's the sovereign, I'm the subject. He's the master, I am the slave. He is the father, I am a son through the son, the Lord God Almighty. But as we look at this, what we see is that the soldier, any soldiers in the house, any soldiers that have been enlisted in the, in the armed forces, the soldier is subject and submitted to his commanding officer. Do the privates tell the generals what to do? <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, there's a, there's a theology out there that says, I command God. That's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard in my life. Still, I check, and I double check, and quadruple check, and I've searched it over and over again. I've looked at the scriptures for 25 years, and nowhere do I find that God works for me. I work for God. Nowhere do I see that I am the master, but he said, I'm the master, and if I serve, you're going to get a little lower. You're not above your master. Understand this. He's the master of breakthrough. But what we do know is this, that the soldier is subject to his general, to his commanding officer. He must be submissive and subject to that commanding officer. There's no way around it. Oh, bring that baby up here. <laughs> She's okay. She's not bothering me a bit. I'll come back here and get her if you want me to. But also you see that the athlete, what is he subject to? Conditioning? Jacob was telling us yesterday as we were watching the Cowboys, go boys. Okay, we were watching the Cowboys. He said, you know, I looked up, I looked up the conditioning workout of the wide receivers. They condition in the morning, in the afternoon, and most of their day. And yes, they get paid handsomely. But you know what? Those athletes are subject to the rules. How do I know that? Because about every other play yesterday, there was something yellow coming out of the ref's back pocket. And I assure you, you don't want one of those, one of those lead things that they put in the bottom of that to hit you in your helmet. That happened to me one time. It'll ring your ears for days. <laughs> but what happens in a game of competition on a professional, semi-professional, co collegiate, college, all the way down to the, to the very base or very elementary, which would be the peewee league of whatever sport, you're subject to the rules of the game. Why do we think when we come into the kingdom of God that there's no more rules? We've just given the ability through the shed blood of the Lamb to obey the rules. The beautiful thing is this. We now by nature want to fulfill the rules. Woo! See, you're subject to that conditioning. Now, Amari Cooper, great wide receiver. Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott. Dak Prescott, do you think those, game, those guys sit around all week and just show up on game day? 
You think that maybe they may just sit back and there's no, there's no conditioning that takes place? There's no pushing back of what they want to do? I'm sure it's easier to stay in the chair. I, I'm sure, but you know what? The level of competition that those guys are on demands that they are conditioned. The level of call that's in your life today when it comes to the kingdom of God and the things of the kingdom of God, because Jesus Christ is coming. Jesus Christ is coming. Jesus Christ is coming. If it makes you mad, then I am glad. But Jesus Christ is coming. And when he gets here, we are going to have to give an account. What did I do with what I had while I was here? Got too hard, Lord. So I stepped aside. No. He gives us the strength. We have to subject ourselves to him. But notice here, as we put him first, we're putting his governance first. We're putting his governance first in our life. It's not just the combat and the soldier, because there will be warfare, and you need to know what God's plan is for that battle you're in. You need to know what God's plan is for that battle that you're in. And usually his plans are different than my plans. How are we going to overtake this Jericho? Glad you ask. March around it six times, seven times on the seventh day, and then you're going to shout. Shout? Yeah, you're going to shout. When you shout, those walls are going to come down. Now, if they'd have shouted on the first day, nothing. Second, third, fourth, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Why? Because God had a plan. Let me say to you, God has a plan. We must obey his desires. So when we go out and we fight those battles, let's do it according to his will. There are situations and times where you find yourself in a place where all the counsel around you will tell you to move in a direction that sounds good, looks good, maybe should be good. But you better listen to the counsel of the Prince of Peace and let him guide you where you need to go, how you need to fight, what you need to do. We see that the athlete, if they're going to condition and compete, that they're going to have to do according to the rules at play. According to what God says in his word. And the farmer, if you want better relationships, this is a message and a series all in itself. If you want to form better relationships, you've got to cultivate those relationships. You've got to cultivate relationships. Andrew and I had to talk and she ran across something that, that referred to as a, talking about connectors. People that connect and connect you to other people. I've shared before my good friend, Lonnie Harris. He's like a father to me. Pastor's just a few miles down the road. We were his associate pastor, and the truth be known, as he was a strange beast. I did not understand this man. He did everything contrary to what I thought a person should and how they behave and how they act. And, and, and for the life of me, big part of my heart, I didn't even like him. didn't care for the man. I thought, you're too goofy for me. I don't know. But we stuck it out. We kept cultivating. We kept moving. He doesn't even know this, so don't ever tell him. 
we kept building that relationship and I kept watching him. Because what I noted about the man is even though the things that he did around, it was so strange, God honored him and I wanted to know why. I mean, I was so young and dumb, I didn't know much anyway. So I watched him. And we built this relationship. He literally is my surrogate father. I love the man. He's my very best friend in the world. But you know, through him, I met his uncle Charity and I traveled to Africa. Through him, I made good friends with his son, who's like a brother to me. Through him, his daughter became a, was a staff member at church we pastored in Hot Springs for four years. Through him, relationships go on and on and on and on and on and on. Why? Because there was a cultivation involved and God wanted to bring me a breakthrough and it was contrary to everything that I thought. But I built that relationship only by the grace of God because I wanted to walk away from it. There are those of you right now trying to forsake relationships that are very the connecting points that are going to get you to where you need to go. That's going to be years of flourishing, but you refuse to build a relationship. You either got too hungry to hear that or it hit so hard that nobody wanted to receive it. <laughs> Everything we have flows from relationship. Everything that we'll receive flows from relationship. Think about it. This church will be no stronger than the relationship that we have one with another and more importantly, the relationship we have with God. The greatest heartache you have today, and correct me if I'm wrong, the greatest heartache that you have today is a direct result of a broken relationship. Why do you think the enemy wants to hurt you in your relationships? Why does he want to disguise the voice of God with the voice of fear and tell you to shrink back, board up the walls, close the gate, don't let anybody in? They're too risky. It takes too much time. Why do you think one of the paramount core values or vision or mission statement, whatever you want to call it, is not only to connect people to God, but also connect people to people? Because once you connect people to God and connect people to people, many of you don't even know that's written in your bulletin. It's right up there on the top. Connect people to God, people to people, and people to purpose. But until we get the connection to God right, we're not going to get the connection of people right, and we're not going to fulfill the purpose right if we are not putting God first. First. That's okay. That's okay. We're going to come back to it. We're going to come back to it. I'm trying to shake you awake. There's a harvest of lost and dying, desperate souls that are out there. Tim, if we bring them in, if we act like the world, what good is it going to do? We, we can't behave ourselves in a conduct. We can't come up here worship in unity. We can't come out here and worship in unity. We can't treat each other and behave in manners which is magnifies the living God. 
You can wish him what all you want to. But until we put Christ first and foremost in our hearts and lives, we're not prepared for the harvest. You'll bring them in and some offensive person carrying an offensive spirit will say something out of character and out of joint and run people out as quick as you bring them in. You bring them to connection groups and those connection groups chew them up, swallow them or spit them out and swallow the portions that they can't get out of their mouth. Wow, where'd that come from? What I'm saying to you is this. You got to get along with you, and 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 you you got to treat each other like Christ treats you. Get to behave yourself in such a conduct. You got something to say that's contrary to the will of God? Bite your tongue off and spit it out. Do not go out of this place today and go to a restaurant and be contrary and treat that waiter or waitress like a, like a slave dog and don't leave a tip and act like a, act like a, I'm not going to say it. And then say, won't you come to Crossroads? Don't tell them you come here. I had the most awful experience in my life. Andrew and I were just dating. We just barely got into church and wasn't fully in. Went over to a lady's house to do some yard work, a little summer work. I didn't even go to her church. I went there when I was a kid. I knew who she was. Went in there, and man, all I heard, she's telling me about Sister So-and-so and the preacher and the board, and oh my Lord, I walked home, I, I, I was, man, I couldn't wait to get in the shower, and it wasn't because I was sweaty and dirty, I was like, <laughs> was she seeking God first? Ouchie. The reason I'm saying this today some of you are going to walk away and say, man, i got stuff in there. No, 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 no. If we do, we're about to take care of it. But anyway, what I'm trying to point us to is this. The day and the hour of God's return is near. God is asking of us to put him first. What does that look like? Before I give a response, I ask him, Lord, what do you want me to say? If anything at all. Before I speak to my family, I ask God, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, the greatest witness you should have is in your own home. What would this church look like in the full measure of what God wants if we did everything according to what pleased him? What if we sought God first? 
how would that change the family dynamic, our community, and the harvest that would come in? Some of you are thinking, oh, good, he's going to seek God first, so I'm going to go get his stuff. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you take personal responsibility today and say, God, I'm going to inquire of you. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you first this year. It's not a resolution. It's a revolution that's taking place right now in my heart. God, I'm putting you first. You're in the throne, and I'm off. You're on the throne, and I'm off. God, what do you want? Your governance. Lord, what is your will for my life? Father, in the name of Jesus, I glorify, I magnify, I thank you, Lord, today. Father, whatever, Lord God, whatever hinders us from seeking after you with all of our heart, all of our spirit, all of our mind, all of our soul, Lord, let it melt away. Let the king of kings be the king of our heart. Let us not mistake the voice of fear for the voice of God. Lord, help us today to build stronger, richer, more vibrant, Lord God, relationships than we've ever built. Let us be brave enough, Father, to open our hearts our spirits and our minds, O oh Lord. Let us accept the responsibility, Lord God, that you have placed upon us as the children of God to walk in the likeness of our King. Laney, I want you to come, if you will. Elijah, come help me as well. Elijah and Laney, come. I just want you to begin to play and begin to sing whatever's on your heart. I want you to stand in this room today. Message, the verse that I quoted to you that we camped out on is Matthew 6, 31 to 34. Jesus says this, do not worry. Do not worry. Saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But the answer is this. But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be, will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I believe the answer to worry is also the answer lot of fear that we have in our life have you been seeking God first this is a boundaries on our road I have to bring myself back back here back here back here I get off to the left I hear the little the tires hitting those dentions in the road oh trying to get back in my lane I veer to the other side. I got to get back in my lane. What is the lane? Seek God first. You want a breakthrough you've been looking for? Let's start here. Let's seek God first.